what Brooklyn sounds like. Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa, and I give a shit. I give a shit about you. I do. You know, um, anyway, thanks for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Do you know that we are the greatest station in the entire universe? There's a lot of stations, and I have taken it upon myself to make sure this is the best one, because that's why I'm here. So uh, what you should do is uh, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate and give us money because we're not being funded. We're not being funded. And, you know, you need us. Uh, Thanks for listening. And uh, I just want to say, you know, you guys. Okay, so uh, I have self-esteem issues. I don't pretend I don't. I think that's why I'm doing this show. And I want to tell you, this show Doing this show, which I started at age 59, has done so much for me because this past month, I was number three. Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit was the third most popular show on this station. And I am really, really, really proud of that. And I just want to give a shout out to all my old people out there and to anyone that wants to start something new and try something new. And uh, so I just, you know, I I love you guys. Thanks thanks for listening to me. Because you won't do it when person. And you know who really won't listen to me is my husband. It's nine years today. Bill, if you're listening, happy fucking anniversary. Now, he's a great guy. I'm really lucky to... uh, have him at somebody finally fucking asked me to marry him. Um, anyway, here's the deal. Speaking of Phil, uh, I have this really, really amazing guest on today, Jesse Shaw, uh, who I met through um, my husband Phil because she's incredibly smart in a way that's way beyond most of the people that I would run across in my day-to-day life, which is why, uh, and, and, and not you, you guys are all smart in your own way, but she's smart in this whole other way. Um, so Jesse is an acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist. And she, um, is so deep into this shit. She's like, so so deep into it and she has this incredible practice that is so um vast that i just want you to go to the website and look at it for yourself okay jesse shaw that's j-e-s-s-i-e-s-h-w.com she's written books she just did a movie she she she's like incredible uh, a real overachiever, folks, except she's actually smart. So I don't know. Is that an overachiever? Anyway, she's here. She's right here. And the reason I wanted her on today was because I see her as an expert, and I think a lot of people do, on ayahuasca. And I think we're all kind of curious about ayahuasca. I am. I haven't done ayahuasca. I'm on uh antidepressant meds. So I'm told I shouldn't do it. But I do know a lot of people. I know it's very big in the comedy community. So I'm really curious. So Jesse started um, 
going to Peru and she, 25 years ago, she started her own investigation among so many other practices of ayahuasca and she has a real relationship with a shaman there and she goes to Peru regularly and does ceremonies. So um, that's why she's on today. She's going to, we're going to find out about Ayahuasca, you know what that is, right? It's a big fucking hallucinogen. It's a major hallucinogen. But before we get started, I want Jesse to explain explain what she does and what her practice is. Hello, Jesse. Hi, Lisa. Look it's- at that shining <laughs> face. It's glowing. Go ahead. Well, no. First off, thanks so much for having me on. Oh. It's a it's a real pleasure to be here. Really liking oh, my, it. Thank you. Our pleasure too. Yeah. Yes. Great. Um, wait. So you want to know what my practice is? Yeah. Like what I'm up what, to? give us give us a basic overview of what what it is that you do. Like okay. just a it. Or I don't know how to sum it up. So you're an acupuncturist I, and a yes. er, Chinese herbalist. I'm an acupuncturist. What does that I, mean <laughs> in 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 the English in 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 simple language. Right. Well, um, yeah, so I'm an acupuncturist and Chinese herbalist. And, you know, I've been practicing for a number of years. And it's really interesting. I, I find in doing that practice, and it really is a practice, you know, it's something that you keep showing up for. When I first started practicing, I maybe, you know, I didn't have any patience at first. And so then you just have to keep showing up and you tell yourself, well, this is my practice. I'm just going to keep doing this. And then people start coming and your practice builds and, and then, you know, what you do and how you work with people changes over the Mm -hmm. years as you yourself evolve as a practitioner. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, so, I mean, the way that I view acupuncture is that um, it's this, it's this really wonderful way to work with people, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And the thing that's really kind of cool about it is that it inherently like works on all of those levels simultaneously. So, you know, if someone comes in and I'm working on low back pain or something, you know, we're addressing the physical symptom, but at the same time, if they've got, I don't know, maybe something that's holding them back in their life in a particular way, or maybe they're, you know, going through some kind of an emotional stress. I'm sorry to interrupt, but how can you tell? Tell what? How, what's that going on? That they're like, you know, stressed. Like, how can you tell what's wrong with them? Oh, well, I mean. How do you judge them well, like that? <laughs> no, it's that's a great question. I, I love that question. I mean, and it is one of the things about, like, how do you diagnose as a practitioner what's going on with yeah, someone? So how do you do it? Well, you get their vibe? Well, there's, I mean, it actually works. I've on, already warned Jesse that I'm, <laughs> that I'm cynical about metaphysics, but that's okay. That's she's okay. Gonna, she warned me she'd give me a hard time. But yeah. that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. No, I, I'm curious for real. Well, no, I mean, it, you really have to, um, like you're working, you're kind of firing on all cylinders when you sit with someone. And so, I mean, you know, Chinese medicine has some inherent ways that you do diagnosis, which is taking peaceful people's pulses mm-hmm. and looking at their tongues, right? Mm-hmm. So there's just that level Ooh. which kind of clues you into can what's you going on. Can you look at on. my tongue right now and tell me something? Uh, yeah, I probably could. Really? Yeah, let me show it to you. Let me see your tongue. All right, let me see it. Okay. 
All right, yeah, a little bit I of just y- yin deficiency, a little yin deficiency. It's kind of a red. what deficiency? Yin deficiency. What's that? What's well, that? Well, I mean, you know, not a- enough sex. <laughs> Did Phil talk to you about? I this? was. I mean, I was going to go there. That clearly, there's not enough sex happening there. You think? No, is that it? What it means? <laughs> no, I mean, it just it just means like for any woman who's older in life, yeah, right? like me. So your yin starts getting used up because. You know, you've menstruated for years, and some women have had birth but what to children. Is yin? I mean, yeah, what, what do is I? Yin? Is there anything I can do about it? Yeah, you can take herbs, and you can oh, eat in a particular way, oh, and you can do okay. certain kind all of right. activities. All right. I'm, I'm keeping my tongue in my mouth. <laughs> all right, so, um, so you you're trained like this is really complicated stuff that you understand. I mean, I can tell you from looking at your website, looking at her resume. Uh, which is not padded in any way, but I mean, this person is, you're kind of a scientist, let's put it that way, right? Um, yeah, well, I mean, you could see how I could, how the average I'm, person could see you as in sort of like somebody who's done a lot of research and knows a lot of shit. And I'm not going to be able to get you to explain how you diagnose people in a like a minute or two. It's true. Uh, Although I would, yeah, I, no, it it's is way true. too complicated yeah. for us to to even. I, I to, think I'm more of a researcher than a scientist. Yeah. I don't really think of myself oh, as being. I a don't scientist. make that distinction. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're really okay. You get it, folks. Do you really want to hear? Uh, you really want to hear all about this? Uh, because um, I think it's much more interesting just to talk about hallucinogenics. Agreed. Agreed. So, what is your background on? Um, ayahuasca, we just tell us like how much you, you know, you got start what your experience is in broad strokes. Yeah. Well, I mean, in really broad strokes, I was, um, you know, I had one of those early kind of life crises and, um, where I was, I was going through a divorce and I, um, met a, like I met a new friend and he was actually going to Peru. And, you know, and this was when in those years when really nobody knew, nobody talked about ayahuasca. It wasn't on the map yet. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very it much wasn't the, trendy. It wasn't trendy. It wasn't People in the in public conversation. Yeah. Nobody knew like, I, you know, Burning Man was still a small event. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it was, it was just a very different time. And I remember he um, gave me like some article and it was a, a, you know, a photocopy of some scientific magazine or something that one person had written like a a thesis on ayahuasca or something. So it was it was very elusive. And actually, I was I was frightened out of my mind, to be quite honest. Well, so, oh, you mean because it well, just was hard to understand and well, seemed potentially dangerous. Yeah, seemed potentially dangerous, mm-hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. but anyway, so we went over, we went over to, we were in Iquitos and um, worked with a shaman there and um, did, and also worked with another couple of shaman in Pucolpa, which was... Wait, this, let me just yeah. ask you. So the guy that you were, that you went there with... Um, had like a lot, had some knowledge and new people. Is that what you well, mean? Well, yeah, he had the connections. He had not worked with the plant either. So uh, we were he, both okay, newbies okay. when we went. And uh-huh. yeah, so we were just okay, kind of got experiencing mm-hmm. for the first time. And it was, I mean, it was really quite wild and crazy. It well, was, what it was, was it like? Um, well, I mean, the the shaman that we worked with was just this um, kind of wild and, and crazy guy. He was like this very young, handsome man. And um he like we went to ceremony at his house and you know it was this thing where you know when like you a, say ceremony you mean a drug taking expedition <laughs> 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 
What do you mean? Really? Well, I mean, actually, you know, I, I really, and, and many a people. A drug orgy. Well, many people <laughs> might argue with mean. this. But, uh, you know, I don't really think of ayahuasca as being a drug. I know. <laughs> no, I know that. That's why we're having this conversation. So is it a bunch of people? I actually do know a little bit because I read that really great um, Michael um, Pollan book yes. called How to Change Your Mind. And, and yeah. he does describe all that stuff. Did yeah. you read that book? I did read that book. Yeah. Great book. So I have a very broad broad knowledge but yeah. is it basically like a bunch of people sitting around and and you're all taking ayahuasca and having that yes. experience yes. right in the same yes. room together yes. is that what it is it's yes and in it, this i mean in this case it was like a community event there were a lot of local people that were there and there were some people mm-hmm. that were physically ill like people lying you know when like i remember that, this one woman kind of like lying in a stretcher on the mm-hmm. floor so mm-hmm. it was being used for all kinds of purposes for physical ailments as well as you know us we were just trying to get we were trying to grapple with our lives basically mm-hmm. and that's why we were there so it's like a room full of people all having been taking this drug and the shaman with guides you have guides well the shaman is the, the guide, guide. Right. So, so he's, he or she is the person that navigates that level of consciousness, actually. Right. So you, are you kind of in the room quiet sitting or? You are. You're quiet. You're sitting. The shaman chants or should chant, I think, just mm-hmm. to kind of control the energy in the room and to help calm people down. And then mm-hmm. also, um, you know, goes around to different people and um, maybe blows smoke in their chakra, their crown chakra, mm-hmm. or rattles around them. Or, you know, it just kind of depends on what's happening in the mm-hmm. moment. He or she is assessing what's going and on. And everybody's having, I'm imagining, a pretty intense experience, right? Yes, typically, yes. And are you're hallucinating. Well, um, I mean, my, my experience with ayahuasca, I mean, I sort of feel like um, the hallucinations for me usually are just at the very beginning until you kind of get through um, what I feel is sort of a portal that opens. Mm-hmm. And then you go through that portal and then everything calms out. And then it's just this um, beautiful experience where you actually communicate with the plant and get a lot of information. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's really, I think, when the healing occurs mm-hmm. and what kind of information if you can describe it i i mean i've gotten all kinds of information i've got information about how it would be best to work with my acupuncture patients i've gotten information about people that i may be in relationship with or about my family members i've gotten information about myself i've had past mm-hmm. life regressions i mean mm-hmm. i've many many things it's like you're basically given that which you need in that mm-hmm. moment that particular moment and what are you aware that that's you're having that experience? Is it scary? Is it comforting? Is it all of that stuff? I mean, by the by the time I'm at that place in the ceremony, it's it's really almost kind of an ecstatic experience, mm-hmm. and, you know. And I I don't always get there. I mean, I've had also had some very rough journeys where I've just kind of thrown up the entire time. That Ooh. happens too. So. But when it but it when it works, it's it's really um, it's unlike anything mm-hmm. else. So what's it like being in a room full of people having that whole experience uh, who are also having it at the same time? I mean, it's it's always a wonderful sense of community. Um, mm-hmm. because are people relating, though? It sounds like a weird individual experience, but at the same time, it's a group experience. So it that's is. what I'm trying to imagine. Yeah, no, it, I, it's really both at the same time. But no, people are definitely with themselves. Um, but at the same time, 
I mean, depending upon who's running the ceremony, you know, the shaman that I work with in Peru, he actually does healings on people. So he will call different people up throughout the course of the evening and you can either be in your own personal experience or you can watch what he's doing with a particular person, even mm. though the room is darkened, you can still mm-hmm. kind of see what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you see people working on their, their stuff in a very personal way. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, you do have a sense of camaraderie and, and then you've also all made it through this thing together. So did people like walk around or you're just sitting there? You're no, just you're just, just sitting there. So yeah. if I walked in, I'd see a room full of people sitting around just hanging out. Yeah, you would. That's, that's true. Okay. <laughs> that sounds like a classroom of bored students or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, I a, get, lot I can, yeah, yeah. there's a lot there's going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And uh, you're saying you're receiving information or something like that. Um, so from the plants... Like, yeah, what the fuck is that? Frankly? Well, I mean, I know it is. It's, it's really <laughs> I, I, it's it is a quandary. Um, but, you know, I mean, unlike, you know, using some kind of a chemical substance like maybe LSD or something like that. I mean, with ayahuasca, you're actually in a relationship with an entity that has consciousness. So, but, you know, instead of being done to you're like working with it's a it's a mm. very it's a very mm-hmm. different. Kind well, of experience. I mean. So I've had, you know, I've tripped a few times or whatever. Um, So my, and, you know, I've certainly, you know, t- you know, pot and I've, I've had a few consciousness raging, but I, I think sometimes I feel like opened up to things that I already kind of have in me, but you, what yeah. you're describing is something that's coming from another source. Is that right? Yeah, I yes, it does feel like that. Like uh-huh. there's another consciousness that's uh-huh. informing your consciousness. So do you believe in like another being or do you believe that plants are just like much more complicated than we know than we take for granted or is can you explain it that way? Um well, you know, I I think that it kind of stems um and goes back to having a different kind of consciousness. So people in Peru that, you know, going back that are sort of steeped in a more kind of a magical consciousness, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they definitely have a different relationship with everything around them. I mean, that that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Right. You gotta, you gotta go there first. Right. And, and so, I mean, it opens us back up to that. So we get to experience that different way of relating with everything around us. Right. So it's kind of hard to even imagine if you haven't probably studied or been to Peru because probably if you're in, in this particular situation, you would have absorbed a lot of whatever that is from being there and being in that culture. And there's probably like a different frame of reference. Like there is in many, many, like any culture has kind of a different frame of reference. So uh, yeah, I I could, I can, I can get that. I understand that. that, (laughs) There's some sense there. There's some law. There's a train of logic in there. I mean, I do think it's transportable, though. You know, so if someone were doing ceremony, say here in in Brooklyn or in Bushwick, mm-hmm. someplace, which sure they do, which uh, they do, we know, we know, they we do. know they do. So, um, you know, there there's still the there's still that like consciousness of the plant that's going to be present wherever right. that is. So, right. you know, and it's like right. kind of infiltrating, I think, to help us out because we're in some pretty tough times right now. Oh yeah, yeah, understatement, right? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about uh, 
ayahuasca in 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 uh, our culture in our popular culture now. So you probably have seen that evolve over time, that it's popular now. It's true. Yes, Mm -hmm. it is. And is ayahuasca something that um, people that comes up, I'm not saying that you work with it in your practice, but I'm saying is that something that people in your practice are involved in or is it is it part of that practice? I mean, some of some of my patients are working with ayahuasca and, um, you know, and then that becomes part of our conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I have to say, um, you know, with the people that I have been working with that have been working with ayahuasca as well. I mean, the, the transformation that occurs is it's just incredibly dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they it definitely shapes them. They, uh-huh. they change over time. So do you feel like. That I, I meant to ask you that. Do you feel like it has changed you? And if it has, what or in what is there something dramatic? Was there a dramatic? Do you have any dramatic results from it in any particular? I mean, a story with a dramatic result. I, I <laughs> one incident and a particular incident or uh, something like that. Well, I mean, you, you know, I I don't know that I could speak to one thing specifically. Well, I I mean, or, I yeah, could, you know, I or could. however you want to, whatever um, makes sense. Well, also, you know, two things. I I think first and foremost, you know, I I was working with ayahuasca before I started my acupuncture practice, and I sort of feel like it was part of that process mm. that led me into acupuncture mm. for, okay. for one. Uh-huh. But then the other thing that I noticed in working with the plant over the years was it felt like um, it kind of cleaned out the synapses in my brain. Interesting. And I felt that I became a lot more creative and actually more, I could think better and mm-hmm. felt I also felt more creative, which seems counterintuitive. You know, you're like, no, oh gosh, this person's no. done, you know. But it made everything a lot clearer, and I and I can focus much to a much greater extent after. So, do you with feel it. like it cleaned out your brain passage? I, I I do. It's, uh-huh. I know it sounds strange, and maybe even made some new pathways. Mm, interesting. Know? Yeah, that kind of yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um. So let's let's talk about our culture now. So it's trendy. True. <laughs> um. <laughs> Which, which, you know, so when, when things become popular, obviously they, not everybody, what, whatever's happens, happens. And I'm no expert on any of that either, but from, you know, it does seem like a real burning man drug. It seems like you hear about people in Hollywood doing it a lot. I know like there's, there's a lot of people out here doing it and stuff like that. And I don't, I assume that a lot of them are not doing it under the circumstances, the controlled, really respectful circumstances that uh, you you were just describing. So what's your thoughts on that? How would that affect? What do you imagine that's like, or have you have you seen um, anything like that? Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of thoughts that come up after, you know, with your question there. And um, I mean... First and foremost, I think it's really important to address the idea that this, the use of ayahuasca is spreading because it's supposed to be spreading. Oh, interesting. um, Right. So, and, you know, so it's come into the public conversation and it's being used in a lot of different ways to help make, help everyone make a transition. I, I believe that's, Mm -hmm. that's my belief on it. And I just, um, you know, want to just do a really quick, 
it's, I mean, sort of a plug, but I, I'm, I'm sure many listeners know about the Horizons Conference. And it's, well, I don't. <laughs> well, so, it, um, I mean, it takes place, it, it's been happening for a number of years in New York City. And, um, you know, I've been attending it for a number of years. Mm. And, um, and one, one day is all about ayahuasca, but there, it's also the organization, um, you know, it encompasses the maps, people who are doing all the work with MDMA to help post traumatic stress syndrome. Mm-hmm. And who are working with psilocybin to, um, you know, for palliative care and for addiction issues. So, you know, this has been like growing. And when I first went to that conference, it was a very small conference. And now like they're selling out and it's a huge conference mm. and many people are going. So, mm. you know, so there's that. There's so that there's impetus. a whole movement. And yes. Michael Pollan's book kind of exactly. is part of that. Like there's a whole movement now of how psychedelics, um, there's a reinterest. Yes. Definitely. And now, you know, with legalization of medical marijuana and marijuana in general, stuff like that, of how um, these psych- natural psychedelics can actually do a lot of positive right. healing. Yes. So we have these things. organic and it's substances. It's not just entertainment. Yes. yes, it's not. I mean, it's not it's it's not only relegated to recreation. And I would say. You know, with something like ayahuasca, ayahuasca is not a recreational drug. I mean, it takes a lot of um, mm-hmm. energy and focus to sit with ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not a, you know, it's not a, mm-hmm. oh, hey, let's do a fun trip. Let's do ayahuasca. How is you know? it different than LSD, say? Um, well, I mean, I, I think LSD is also nothing to be trifled with. You I know, don't they're either. In, they're I intense do. experiences. You yeah. Know. So do you see them in a similar vein? Um. Well, I mean, the only, I guess the hallucinogenic part is similar but they're they're coming from a different a very different place which i kind of alluded to earlier just in right that but i mean it's, like it's, it's they're like both an, intense experience exactly yeah yes. they both not both, something that you do lightly without right. you know kind of sitting and thinking having a, why like you're having doing. it worked out and having like <laughs> where you're going to be for the next 12 hours right exactly. okay so yep. they are similar in that yeah absolutely okay so back to so now there's this conference which is when is it by the way I'm going I <laughs> um I I believe it's um around October 12th really um, it's you can look it up online I horizons. will so I that's a whole community or of people who are interested in using hallucinogenics for health. Well, mental and physical health reasons. Yes, I mean, and they'll you know they have speakers like um, Johns Hopkins presents the findings of their research that they're doing. I mean, it's there's a lot of scientists like NYU presents, mm-hmm. so it's a uh, it's very legitimized um, in mm-hmm. terms of kind of the research that's being done mm-hmm. with these um, you know organic psychedelic substances to help people, and you know when they do it like blind double blind tests, they set it all up. Very scientifically, because mm-hmm. um, they're making progress with it. So mm-hmm. it's it's that, you know, and then, um, gosh, I think I was there last year and a woman spoke about um, how peyote buttons are being over farmed, you know, people. So there's like that concern because they really are part of an indigenous people's ceremonial practice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's there's various angles um, mm-hmm. on the hallucinogenic scene that are, are brought into mm-hmm. that conference that are really quite interesting. So what so now like people are but now people are just sort of like take it. I mean, people use this stuff as a recreational drug. 
Well, I, you know, I, good luck to anyone who's doing that. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean the same is, way they would use LSD as a recreational drug. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, although I typically with, you know, with ayahuasca, I, I would think that it's not something that it's like, hey, I'm just going to drop this by myself. You know, you're going to do it in a, in a ceremonial context with a shaman. I mean, most, I would think most decidedly all the time. Um, so it's a little different in that way than maybe. You don't think people are using it without a shaman? I, I don't actually. I mean, I may be totally wrong, but my guess is not. I think it's, um, you know, it's it's usually. Or a guide. Or a guide. There's like some kind of a guide. Or I'm, maybe, or just, strongly recommended maybe just a designated <laughs> driver. Well, I, I, I would just recommend to anyone that they definitely set it up in a context where there's like an experienced guide. It's, it's, you, you really need that, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, I don't know. I think that any of these drugs, I mean, I think that's the whole problem with all of this kind of stuff is that there's a lot of great things that can be done. And there are like really legitimate and positive uses. But I think that, you know, people are pretty like confident, falsely conf- overly confident about this stuff. And they, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot because, you know, you can have a good trip. You can have a shitty trip. You can have a horrible, scary trip. And I think you just don't know, but I'm sure there are a lot of people using ayahuasca and, um, you know, I had a great time. You know, I just want to uh, remind people that they're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn because it's such a great station and I want to take this opportunity to, like, let them know what they're listening to. It's so great. And um, do you know that we, do you know we have this great, Jesse, you'd be great at this. We have, um, we are offering uh, our studios where you can come in and for a minimal fee, do your own podcast. Wow. You can do your own podcast here. And if you use my show code, which is DLG for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit, you can get uh, a 20% discount if you go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash podcast studio and enter the code it's like really i think that's really good deal guys if you want to do that so and just to remind you i it's uh dr lisa gives a shit on radio free brooklyn and i'm sitting here with jesse shaw who is a acupuncturist and chinese herbalist and we are talking about ayahuasca and tripping and stuff like that and how irresponsible people are about drugs. They are, right? Well, I, I, you know, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, but. <laughs> well, that's very sweet. How can you be so, how can you be so uncynical? <laughs> no, yeah. So, but I think, I think a lot of people get in a lot of trouble with this shit. Yeah. I mean, but potentially, I mean, I think there's probably more of an issue with somebody like, uh, you know, doing too much acid than, you know, having a, I, I, I don't know, using ayahuasca mm-hmm. inappropriately. Um, we were talking earlier about the article that you read in the New Yorker. What were you, what were you t- 
telling me about oh, that. Well, you know, I, I, um, I, it was really the, the New Yorker was trying to write an article about the reporter or the person who wrote the article had experienced ayahuasca actually in Bushwick. And, um, you know, it talked about what that was like, what that experience had been like for her. And I, and I, um, I felt a little, um, I upset is maybe a strong word because I just felt that it missed the whole relational piece. Um, you know, it was sort of like a, oh, hey, one off, let's go do ayahuasca tonight, as opposed to, you know, this thing where with ayahuasca, you're really supposed to follow a particular diet before you go in and work with the plant. And, you know, you, um, y- you know, you're not going to have sex for a while before you work with mm-hmm. the plant and you're not going to be drinking before. So, you really set yourself up and then you enter in with a specific intention. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, idealistically, you would also want to work with the plant a number of times over time so that you would develop so, a literal yeah. relationship. So this, this you know, article is about somebody who is using just, it kind of like a party drug, Yeah, just right? sort of like did a one-off experience and then... Yeah, you know, and I, and I think, you know, you know, didn't write negatively about it, but I, I felt like um, missed a, a big portion of what the experience with the plant can be all about for someone. Right. But that I was think, my but, issue. But I think that's kind of what is happening. So what do you think those people are getting out of it? What are they looking for? Well, I mean, I, I would I think, you know, in her case, she was just looking for the experience. Um Anyone that I talk to that's like, say, one of my patients or even, you know, like if you go to the Horizons Conference and there's a lot of people there who are either wanting to work with ayahuasca or want to talk to people who've worked with ayahuasca. And, you know, they're they're really they're they're trying to discover something about themselves or they're trying to move their lives ahead in a particular way. And Mm -hmm. so there really is kind of a method to the madness. So what would you say to somebody who got a hold of some ayahuasca and said, I just want to see what this is like? Um, And, you know, I would just suggest that probably the optimal way to work with the plant would be to do it in ceremony with a group of people led by a shaman, that that would be, you know, if you if you really want to optimize what's going on with this, you probably want to do it that way. What do you think that they're that what like, what are they going to be missing? What are they going to get out of it? And what are they going to be missing? What do you think? I, you know, I think first and foremost, you know, as I had, I think, said earlier in this conversation, so. The shaman, the whole point of a shaman and having a shaman there is it it should be and typically is someone who is really experienced in working with the plant. And what that means is, is that they've done the plant themselves many, many, many times. Mm -hmm. And so and it's a it's a certain it's almost like going to a foreign land in a way. Mm-hmm. And so you, they, so this person is, you know, it's like if you go to Spain, I don't know, it's nice to be with someone that speaks Spanish and knows how to get around, right? Right, right. But I'm just saying, like, I think what, what I'm thinking about is that I think that, you know, the expectation of somebody being like say deep enough and there are people who are casually interested in hallucinogenics and they're not going to really ever be able to um, access all those levels of, you know, uh, revelation or uh, mind, mind expansion in that way, I think. And I think that um, like, I think about um, uh, mushrooms, what how different is um is um 
uh, how different is it from mushrooms? Well, can I say one thing before sure, I answer that? Sure, I sorry. Mean, I think I'm sort of, I'm also kind of coming from a safety standpoint. And I, I just, you know. I understand that. Right. And and the thing is, there's many different versions and formulas of ayahuasca. Yeah, and people right. People make it differently and you cannot know what you're getting. So you, you really want to work with somebody that knows Right. No, I know. It's you really are a professional. Right. Well, Absolutely. And, and, you know, and any shaman would should supposedly know right. what he's up to. Right. Um, but anyway, in, ter- um, in terms of uh, you're asking about uh, mushrooms. Right. Yes. And um, I mean, it's a it's a very it's a very different um, substance and, and entity. Mushrooms are pretty entertaining. Right. Yeah, I think I think more so. And probably, you know, when a lot of people grow their own mushrooms or, you know, you can you can get them off the Internet pretty easily. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's but like that's a, not but it's different. It's you can't really. Different. Can you have a bad trip on mushrooms? Oh, uh, oh definitely. I'm yeah, sure you can. <laughs> I yeah. never have. Yeah. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I don't good think job. so. I've had some bad acid trips. Right. Not recently, but, but not mushrooms. No, no. Phil has a story. I shouldn't be saying this, but um, in high school, I drove a car on acid. Um, and I looked up. I was about to cross over the train, these train tracks, and I looked up and I saw a train coming. And I backed up really hard and I banged the back of the car and then the train went past. I still to this day can't tell you whether I was close to it or not. But I remember like being really terrified and everything was fine. I got home, everything was fine. And then about a week later, my mother noticed like the dent in the back of the car and started trying to find out where it came from, you know, accusing me, of course. Right, right, right. But yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, probably. yeah, I made it through high school, so yeah, that's I'm good. Too. I'm good now. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I know what it's like to feel really stressed out on on a bad drug thing, and it's you know, it may not be physically dangerous. I mean, in a sense of like, you know, you might not get physically ill, but it's very intense, right? And and, frightening, you know. And one of the things I think that's always stressed and um, is this whole thing of kind of the the context of where you are really setting yourself up in a good environment before mm-hmm, you're going to work mm-hmm. with anything, whether, whether it be mushrooms or ayahuasca or acid or anything, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you're in a, in, in a right location that's been, that's soothing and calm and where you're not going to be running up against a train. And so you know. where, so yeah. And, and don't do it. Don't do it like an idiot. In <laughs> do high not drive. Yeah. Do not drive. Yeah. Don't drive. That's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing is, it's like society is, mi- we're all missing something, aren't we? We're missing like this fucking human connection. I, do you think that's like, because it seems, you know, it's interesting because um, in my day, like, you know, in high school, people were taking acid, and that was in the, you know, 70s, early 70s. And out of all, the, so here we are, I don't know, 50, I don't even want to think about how much later, you know, you know, eons later. And um, the drugs that kind of made it through that, I mean, uh, pot is more popular than it ever was when I was in high school. Yeah. And now these hallucinogens are coming back. Yes. And I think it's I think it's really interesting what's going on. Like that we're all looking it's almost like society has finally evolved to a certain level of sophistication and consciousness where we're becoming more interested in how to actually make our own thoughts 
more potent instead of, you know, maybe because, you know, we're sick of what's going on out out there or something. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, like I'm not really good philosophically on all of this, but it seems like there's, you know, there's a lot of depth and richness within um, when because the outer world is just really being kind of a of a crazy place, of course. And um, I mean, my you know, my belief and the thing is when I'm working with people is, you know, if you the, the, the place that you can control and the place that you can do the work is within yourself and then. By doing that, that helps to shift everything around you. Mm-hmm. So you you kind of start there, and I think that these these plant substances help us to kind of they facilitate that exploratory and maybe even you know um, can speed it up perhaps a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean you know it's the same thing. Should you have like a really in depth meditation practice mm-hmm. or you know people that are mm-hmm. kind of doing yoga spiritually? I mean, there's many ways to get there. There's many roads in. And this is one of them. Right, right, right. Um, So what is it like for you when you're around people who don't, you know, don't relate to any of that? Uh, Do like most of the people, you know, like. Well, I I think we're really lucky, right? Living in this part of the country and in New York and Brooklyn. And um, it it seems like everybody's on kind of the same has, you know, you can have similar conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's only, uh, you know, in, in other places where that's not as pervasive, I probably wouldn't want to live mm-hmm. there. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about MDMA and like all those rave parties and stuff like that? I mean, I, um, I'm actually a, a big lover of MDMA. Are you? I am. I yeah. that. <laughs> Um, but uh, but again, you know, I use it. Um, I use it very selectively. I would never take it at a rave. I oh, I typically, if I'm going to work with it, I do it by myself, and I use it um, as a way just to sort of explore kind of my inner my inner world, or maybe just with one other person. I might do it with a, a partner. Yeah. So when I'm around people who have done MDMA, they always seem so friendly. Yes, it's a very heart opening drug heart 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 op- opening yeah, it, it opens one's heart it's it's really it's quite beautiful it's a beautiful experience so do you think that's a positive do you think people taking mdma is a good thing then what about like so what about people who are like going to these raves and they're taking it and it just seems like it seems like drug abuse like what do you say about that well you know i mean i think it it all has to like there's it's not a black white issue for, for me, at least. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the thing is, it's like anything can be abused or anything can be uh-huh. used any number of ways. And so then it just depends upon the individual and what kind of consciousness you're going to bring. But to they're it. not getting I mean, they're not there. Do you think they're get, like they're not getting anything out of it? Well, I mean, probably not in that context or, you know, I mean, something very different from what I'm getting out of it. You know, and I, I hate to like I don't I don't. Like, I don't want to judge anybody else's oh, yeah, experience. I do. <laughs> Fucking waste. Wait, but I stop staying up all night partying. <laughs> Get a job. Are you kidding? I can I share a funny story? Sure. So one of my patients was really very addicted to pot and was, you know, just had to smoke it constantly. And so we had this whole conversation. I, you know, I said, well, why don't you approach it like, you know, a sacred substance and like think more about when you're going to take it and you know and, and only do it in select times when you're really thinking about exploring something specific and 
you know, I give all this whole thing. And then um, he came back like a week later and he basically, it was like, it had the opposite effect. And instead of him doing it less, he said, oh yeah, I've just been stoned every day. Like it totally backfired. It didn't, it didn't, wasn't helpful it was, at that all. It wasn't helpful. It was not helpful at all. So your yeah. point of view so, was Yeah, it was not helpful at all. Uh-huh. So I, you know. Yeah, what do you know? Yeah, what do I know? <laughs> I think pot can be very addictive, no? I, 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 I do. Have you seen a lot of people addicted to pot? I mean, I, some, not, I mean, not yeah, a lot. Yeah, I think but it, it, can, it be. can be. It can be a little addictive, I think. Yeah. Even though, um, you know, they say not, but it seems like some people are just prone to it. Yeah, just need to do it all the and time. And I don't think that's a good thing to be doing all the time. Do you? Well, I mean, for me personally, I like I it's not my it's not my cup of tea. Um, I because I, I have to I have to think a lot. I'm like researching things and, mm-hmm. you know, and treating your people. Mind. Yeah, it makes me a little fuzzy in my brain. So mm-hmm. I, it's not it's mm-hmm. not one of my mm-hmm. it's not my drug of choice. You know what I did learn from uh what I did learn from reading the book of Michael Pollan's is how a lot of these, a lot of drug use has gotten, uh, got perverted through Timothy Leary. Yeah. And I did not know that, yeah. that Timothy Leary actually made drug use like kind of mainstream and popular in the way that, and it was because of his own ego. I think that. Um, at least the way I read it in the book, um, that a lot of, you know, that acid and a lot of hallucinogens can make you, I guess it really can sort of make you be more egomaniacal. It can, I think it can kind of work in two ways where you feel less ego, where you're more uh, integrated into the universe, say, or with other people. And I think for him, it had the opposite effect where it kind of made him feel like he was an expert on the universe. Right. But I mean, we don't know the extent, you know, and nothing, not saying anything bad about Timothy Leary, but um, we don't know the extent to which that was already a big part of his personality, you know. So, oh, was, yeah, I think know, it was totally, totally just part of his personality. Yeah. But yeah, it was a real disservice because, I mean, there was a lot of very important research that was going on at that point in time that all, all the funding got pulled on it, you know. Right. And all the scientists wound up hating him. Right. Which, which, which I wasn't aware of, but you know, maybe it was one of those things where the time wasn't quite ripe and, you know, and now the time is, so Mm -hmm. it it needed to kind of be pulled back Mm -hmm. into the shadows for a bit. Mm -hmm. Now it's making, you know, so we, we want to shepherd it along carefully you know, right, this, so now people take around. it a lot more. Take all that stuff. Also, I think a lot of drug use from that period, you know, the seventies, sixties, seventies, opened up a um, acceptance, kind of a middle class acceptance of taking drugs and making drugs exotic or, you know, glamorous. And I think a lot of that wound up. Uh, in a lot of really bad, um, like excessive drug use by, you know, people like just, I mean, part, I think like you could put part of the opioid epidemic on that, mm. you know, that it became acceptable to take drugs or that it was a good thing or that it was cool and all that. And I think like maybe we're coming full circle on that where we finally have realized after like crack and, you know, heroin and opioids and all the stuff that 
um, this stuff should be taken very seriously. And I think a lot of that is what's kind of maybe bringing us around to, uh, you know, us wanting to do research, people accepting doing research on it again. Well, and I, I think it's also real important not to put all of them, like to roll everything all into one ball, you mm-hmm. know, um, like the opioid crisis is its own thing. And, it, you know, it's and it, it shouldn't be swept up, I don't believe, with, you know, like mushrooms or ayahuasca. It's, you know, it's a it's a really, really hardcore drug that people, of course. OD on, you know, of course. So, um, you know, but and I and I also think in the seventies with the you know the whole LSD thing again we had the situation where people were there were a lot of young people all the baby boomers were very young at that point in time and people were just taking things in kind of the wrong setting and nobody knew proper yeah. dosage you know all we of were that learning so, yeah we were learning so it was a but it did change wild people's west. attitudes about drugs yes, in general agreed. and so maybe we're becoming more sensible. So you go to these conferences and stuff. What do you What do you think the future of ayahuasca is? Well, I mean, I'm just I'm as hoping, far as research goes. Well, um, you know, actually, I'm not really sure what the kind of the cutting edge research is on mm-hmm. ayahuasca. Typically, when I've attended those conferences, it's been more of um, kind of people have done more qualitative research about people's um, experience with it and kind of uh, you know and how it's change them or how they've had a spiritual mm-hmm. experience it's it's mm-hmm. kind of more about that mm-hmm. kind of thing and it's really the psil- psilocybin and the mdma so you, that are being used more clinically so for, they're more focused on that stuff yeah seemed at least that's my my recollection psilocybin and mdma yeah um yep. so do you so do you so where do you think that research is going well, I mean, it's interesting. I think we'll kind of see what's going to happen next with it. But, you know, the um, with the MDMA work that's being done by the MAPS organization, I mean, I think they're very close to um, making it be legal, at least where psychotherapists or, you know, psychiatrists could have access to it so people could use it therapeutically mm-hmm. for post-traumatic stress syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also maybe, you know, whatever else they're going to use whether maybe severe mm-hmm. depression, um, yeah. Do they have scientific explanations for how these drugs work, or is because the way you talk about it is, and and I honor this, um, you know, but you talk about it in sort of a spiritual way, like a connection with the plants, and I think if you have a certain kind of intuition, that can be very real. But what do you think, how do they talk about it when they talk about it in, you know, in research in the medical community or in these, you know, right, how, right, how do they right. talk about that the, I mean, at the Horizon Conference, right. for God's sakes? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they talk about it, they they can talk about it mm-hmm. chemically, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, and the thing is, I'm not really, and they, they even do that with ayahuasca, I suppose. So they'll break it down to its chemical composition and then how it interacts with the body and the so, parts of the brain that it interacts mm-hmm. with so that, you know, they can they do look, have They do have those explanations. Yes, there are some people that do that kind mm-hmm. of work. Uh, but I, it's not really my area of expertise. So for you, do you think that like there's a connection? Like there are, like there is also a lot of talk. I was reading an article about, um, you know, communicating with plants and stuff like that. So do you have a really strong feeling about being able to communicate with plants in general? 
Um, do you think there's a communication? Do you think I, there's a consciousness or? I, you know, I, I just think it's what we tune our awareness to. So, I mean, anybody, anyone who's like walking through the woods and smelling the trees and just feeling the mm-hmm. whole everything around mm-hmm. you, you know, you're going to have that kind mm-hmm. of consciousness. But, you know, but you could also walk through and be looking at your phone. So it really, it really yeah. just depends on where, where you're at as to what mm-hmm. you're going to actually be able to connect with and what you're going to take in. So in your practice, I mean, you've been doing this for like, I mean, you've you know, there's so many aspects to it, acupuncture and Chinese medicine and stuff like that. Is there one, is there one thing that really stands out or do they all integrate? Like what would, knowing all this stuff, what the hell, what the hell is it like? Like, what is it, do you think that you have a sense of your body in a certain way or what's it like knowing all this shit and practicing it? What do you think, what do you think, is different from how you were before. I, I, I personally just feel like it's, um, it has to do with how one ultimately navigates life. Right. So we all get, we all have problems and issues and challenges that strike us in life. And so then the question becomes not to avoid those things. They're impossible to avoid. We all have them. But then the question is, is how do you personally work with stuff how do you work with yourself when stuff comes at you so for you are you trying to like be calm or integrate them or grow or like what are what do you, what you know you're you what's it mean for you personally can you explain can you, yeah can you put um, it in those terms I guess I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, uh, yes, calm is, is always a good thing, but you know, I'm not always calm and sometimes I'm anxious. Sometimes I panic. Um, sometimes I can't sleep, you know, all of those things. And so, I mean, I guess what I really try to do is to just be able to recognize where I am in any particular day. And if I'm having a, a hard time or if I'm feeling anxious, actually just to be able to know mm-hmm. that I'm feeling anxious to know where I am mm-hmm. and then to try to work with whatever is showing so up kind you know? of a self-acceptance thing yes and do you do therapy as regular traditional psychotherapy me personally do yeah. therapy um i actually, i mean no have you been a, not that you're practicing it but do you do you do i see a therapist yeah is that what you're asking me um i work with um my acupuncture mentor and you know when i explore my personal terrain so uh-huh. have you ever done uh psychotherapy i have yeah uh-huh. and the, so what's your thoughts about that um, I, um, you know, I actually have a number of friends also who are psychotherapists and I have great respect for psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the thing that I would say that I really like about acupuncture, um, and I think it maybe really goes nicely with psychotherapy is because it's not just talk, but you actually get to be with the body. And so there's like, you get to tap into the somatic intelligence mm-hmm. of the body as well. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's kind of a perfect combination to be mm-hmm. dealing with an issue psychotherapeutically and then also to be doing acupuncture. And what it. about people who are physically, you know, don't who are blobs, who don't like to move, who don't like to exercise or do anything physical? Is is that an obstacle for them to benefit from, you know, any of these kinds of techniques or anything like that? 
I well, I mean, I just want to make a plug for acupuncture that it basically helps people get back into their bodies to have that sensation of what it is to be in one's body and to feel their bodies. Mm. That's one of its um, benefits, I believe. So you could start out where you might not, and that might help you get to where you would get back in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a real athlete, but I know from like my walking program or whatever that I've been doing for like the last five, 10 years, like I am much more in touch with my body because I use it a lot and I understand what that means, especially coming to it later in life. So I'm a big proponent of that, but I don't think, um, you know, I mean, some of it's because I have more time now. I don't think everybody's you know, I think it's a little bit of a privilege to be able to have time to spend doing physical things, which is part of the problem with our society. It's true. But in New York, at least we can work physical physicality into our daily life just yes. by walking because we walk so much. Right. That's which right. Is one of the joys of being here. Right. I that's find. why people here are so much deeper than people in L.A. <laughs> in their cars. So, Jesse, I want to, you know, I... uh I uh, I learned so much here today. I'm definitely I'm definitely um, and there's a philosopher that you were telling me about earlier that I think people should look up that you have learned so much from that has like in the basis of a lot of your thoughts about consciousness and society and where we're going. Gene Gerbser, do you want Gene Gerbser? Yeah. So. Um, Gebser wrote a, an amazing treatise called The Ever-Present Origin, and he really, um, he, he, he wrote it, um, he lived through the Second World War, was actually kind of in midlife when the Second World War came about, and was just horrified by everything that was going on, and wanted to try to understand it and explain it, and also offer mm-hmm. something up to kind of elevate consciousness mm-hmm. so that we could get beyond that. And so he wrote this book, The Ever-Present Origin, and it talks about different states of consciousness and how we're kind of moving toward a new state of consciousness, which is integral consciousness. So anyway, so. I'm going to go look that up, <laughs> but I want to make sure that we get in, um, you know, your website, Jesse Shaw, J E S S I E Shaw.com. And you can find out a lot more than we've even touched on. And you have a practice here in Manhattan, right? Where I people do. can yep. come um, right. and I mean, people that would come visit you, it's in lower, it's... It's, you, uh, yeah, down in Wall Street area. Wall Street yeah. area. And, yeah, you need to make an appointment. To right, come, right, right, right. But people can come in with, like, they don't even have to actually, they can just not feel well. Or they can exactly. just, something can be off emotionally. Right. Exactly. They don't even have to know what it is. And you'll just, like... And we'll work on it. We'll work on and you, whatever. And you'll, you have, like, a big range of tools to I, use, I right? Do. I do. So I think I think uh I think you guys should all go down there, you know? Um anyway, uh this has been really interesting. I've got a lot to think about here and some reading to do too, some homework. So anyway, thanks a lot for listening and I want you Jesse Thank you for Thank being. Thank you so much, Ravi. Really, really it's been a, a real nice conversation. Yeah. And uh, I want to make sure you guys hang out because the rest of the afternoon is so good. You got to listen to Elon Danzinger, Lost and Rewound. He's right after this. He's hilarious. He's got great stories. He's got great guests. We got Ben Talks. We got we got uh, 